What's up, weird people who've never heard the song Christmas Shoes? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn some new tricks and to find a better way. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. And here in Greensboro, North Carolina, going to have to Google the song Christmas Shoes, Dan Ray. So right before we came on, I was talking about... Uh, How did we even get onto it? Well, it was Dan Fogelberg. I had said something about... Um, Dan Fogelberg being, it was just something that we, we were talking about. And he's like, well, what, what song is that? And I was talking about another Odd Lang Syne. And I said, it's the second most depressing Christmas song behind Christmas Shoes. And he's like, wait, what? And then I got really offended. <laughs> well, I know about the Little Match Girl. That's Dude, some pretty depressing Christmas stuff. No, nothing is more depressing than Christmas Shoes. You're going to get off yeah. this, uh, this podcast and uh, you're going to listen to Christmas Shoes, and then you're probably going to have to call a suicide hotline. I'll just, I'll just weep in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, so here's the deal. So um, those of you who are listening to this who also are unfamiliar with Christmas Shoes, meet me on the Cover Band Confidential Facebook group for um, remedial post-Christmas Shoes group therapy. Yes, yeah, so you guys need to listen to it and then commiserate. Uh, and also, uh, check out Dan Fogelberg's Another Odd Lang Syne, because... That song is uh, is really something. All right. If you're uh, if you really love uh, the same melody repeated twenty times in a row, oh. you're gonna love oh. that song. Well, then I would just listen to um, frankly have, uh, simply having another wonderful Christmas time. I'd listen to um, Sir Paul because that's essentially what that is. Well, okay. So take wonderful Christmas time and then add six more verses to it. Oh. So, like, take the do 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 do, yeah, do 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 do, and oh. and like quadruple it. That's what that song is. Anywho, you know, but, it know, is. So wait, 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 wait. Uh, no, we just can't move on. All right, bring um, it back. Bring it back. Because look, so simply having a wonderful Christmas time. My problem with that is the chord structure in the chorus breaks the diatonic progression in a way that doesn't help anything. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. The chords on that are moving in a way that is geometrical across a fretboard, but doesn't make any sense musically. And it's one of those times like, Paul, I love the guy, most brilliant songwriter ever uh, lived, perhaps, but that one, just no. I feel like talking about like geometric patterns that sound sound interesting but aren't really musically correct um the song that i think of is uh rope by um by foo fighters Mm. which is honestly one of my favorite songs that they do like if you listen to the chords they sound real smart but like (laughs) i watched an interview with dave Grohl. he's like i just like this shape and then i just moved it up and down the fretboard until i found it exactly oh dude i just i learned um everlong for the trivia last week yeah that's the same way you know and and i saw videos. he was like we were talking to um uh, what's his name? The New York um, uh, shock jock um, uh, Stern. Dean uh, Stern. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I just I found this here, and I just did this, and then I kind of moved it around. Well, okay, that's the same well. thing. But that being said, um, R- Rope is probably in, it's in my opinion one of the coolest Foo Fighter songs ever. 
Mm. Um, so look it up after we get off here. Cause, um, but not before Christmas juice. Maybe use rope as a palate cleanser and don't oh. use rope in a literal sense because after hearing Christmas shoes, you <laughs> will want to kill yourself. <laughs> dangerous. So instead, listen, listen to rope instead listen, of trying to have, find one. We have more than just listener, but not enough that we can just prompt them to suicide willy-nilly. It's bad for our numbers. I'll put, the, I'll put, a, I'll put a hotline in the note, show yeah, notes. Good, 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 good. So how's, how's it going, Dan? <laughs> good. Good, really good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I am – going to wrap up this uh, episode recording, and then I think I'm going to go to an open mic. Um, mm. A friend of mine's hosting, and instead of it being across town, it is in town, Beautiful. Uh, close by, so I figured I'd drop in and have a little boys' night, drink a beer. You Play know. something? Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Otherwise, I'm, I'm just catching up with uh, our buddy Jeff from the pod, as they say. Good old Jeff. Good old Jeff. Um, so... You know, last week was the Dave episode, um, based on the conversation <laughs> you and I had uh, before we started recording. This might very well be the Dan episode. Oh yeah, so um, here's just a little inside inside podcasting. Um, early in the week, Adam and I start texting each other. What are we going to talk about this week? Oh, I don't know. What are we going to talk about this? Week? Oh, I don't know. And a lot of weeks we come up with something, and then by the time we get on the on the recording system, we're ready to talk about it. This week I had six things, and yeah. Adam's like, "Okay, go." Yes, I'm 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 barely a facilitator here. Um, no, actually, I need you. I need to bounce a lot of things off of you. Actually, okay, so it's it's all good. Well, I'll go ahead and start uh, then with my my whole deal. Um, we did play a show uh, last Saturday. It, oh yeah, How'd that it go? was um it was at a place that we hadn't played in about five years. Um, had a bit of a snag with production but i did hire our guy to come and kind of run interference Mm -hmm. um we did uh, you know the way that our setup runs is that we try to be as versatile as possible he wanted to go like his prefer his you know his preferred way and the guy just wasn't quite on the level so i was like just give him the fan we have a 16 channel snake that you literally just plug in channel for channel and then we can run everything from there um, once we kind of got on the other side of that, it went really well, uh, had a good crowd, made some money. The owners were thrilled. Um, we were already talking about playing there again in April. So it was a good night all around. Um, the first people we ever did a wedding for, uh, were there, um, in the audience. And isn't that great? We it had, was, we, yeah, we had some show up to a show too. It was wonderful. And you know, our, our running, line is hey you know we're at a 100 percent marriage uh success guarantee so yeah we did the same thing well good stuff that's all i've got man so why don't you go ahead and uh catch up the listeners with what you've been going on this week yeah my gigging week has been um uh, a little well it's been interesting so on monday night i played with the front man for viva la muerte my um psychedelic Americana originals band mm-hmm. that I'm in and his neighbor who is a jazz pianist and apparently um, in his younger days was um, like a touring studio jazz pianist, like quite, quite, quite a professional at it. Um, and what we were playing for, we were doing opening and closing music about half an hour before and after a reading by the North Carolina poet laureate. Mm-hmm. It's a woman named Jackie Shelton Green who is just freaking fierce. If I haven't been to a poetry reading in probably 30 years, but man alive, she was amazing. She was amazing. And we did a bunch of VLM originals, but then 
this piano guy would bust out, you know, my way or um, just some other standards that I've known forever because I studied jazz piano in college and, and some after. And um, I just found my way into them and noodled them like a jazz guitarist. And by God, <laughs> next thing I knew, I was playing acoustic jazz. And uh, so that's interesting. It was really interesting. I did not – if you'd asked me to try playing jazz before – the show started and there was an audience looking at me, I would have told you I couldn't do that. But um, you never know. Just try stuff. It's yeah. good to know some modes. <laughs> it's kind of the point. <laughs> and, um, and stuff happens when you're in the middle of a performance that, that um, you know, comes out of you. You didn't even know. Well, I had joked because he had, he had messaged me earlier in the week that this had happened. I was like, your jazz is probably the jazziest of all. Oh. Because... If it's diatonic and it's weird and it's, you know, chromatic in nature, that's, that's real jazzy. Yeah. Yeah. My wife quotes um, Angela from Office Space about jazz. Mm. Why don't they just play the song? <laughs> that's what's, <laughs> my, valid, my favorite valid, line. And valid. My first time in like a real big boy studio, um, you know, we were tracking guitars and I was like, oh man, I you know I had messed something up, and the producer turns to me, and goes, "You make a mistake once, it's a mistake. <laughs> you play mm-hmm. that sucker twice, that's jazz, baby. That's jazz. That made me feel good. Yep, yep, yep. So Listen, jazz so went. Got, it happened. Jazz went. You jazzed. And then, um, and then and this. Oh yeah. So then Wednesday last night, we had a rehearsal in our rehearsal space, which is where we rehearse. <laughs> I'm following, I'm tracking so far. Sorry. Um, In which, for the first time, the whole band was on in-ears. Whoa. Yeah. And um, Tony the drummer and Scott the bassist were were wired. They were coming out of the mixer on an XLR aux out into the Behringer 2 input. I don't know its number, but the headphone amp that's Mm -hmm. for that. And into in-ears. And I literally watched them both put in-ears into their heads for the first time and... and, um, you know, do it wrong the first time because you do. You don't realize it's got to go over the top of your head. Um, and then dial in all of our mixes and everything. Um, and we did we did your thing. We did a whole rehearsal with no mains. Actually, no speakers at all. Yeah. And, um, and it was great. It was really great. It was so clean. And you know what? One thing I discovered, um, I put some reverb, some hall reverb on the whole mix. Mm-hmm. And it made a huge difference. It, it took away a lot of the sterileness that I was feeling in mm-hmm. the in-ears. Um, it just gave it a little bit of space and a little bit of feel that it was in a real room. And um, uh, it, was, it really made a difference. Good. And, uh, you know, as I, as I have said before, the in-ears um, taught me that I actually have a falsetto. Yes. Because... My whole life, I have felt like I hadn't because it doesn't have enough power to push out over top of a band. Mm-hmm. But I actually can I can get right up there. And we did. <laughs> we practiced um, Heart of Glass, Blondie. And I sang it in the original key. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't super squeaky. I mean, not with the effects I had on it anyway. And um, so it was pretty good. Um, the other exciting the, the par- part of why we went to all in-ears is because we're now experimenting with tracking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, it's so cool, Adam. It's so cool. Dude, 
I've been trying. It's so cool. I've, I've been I, telling you guys. I know. I know. It's so cool. We did, let's see, Rosanna. Mm-hmm. And Uptown Funk and uh, December 63. Oh, what a night. Doom, yeah, doom, yeah. Doom, 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 Late doom. December. That's the one. That's the one. And um, God, playing along with the parts that your band is missing. It, it does. It, it's one of those kind of like... <sighs> It changes everything. It'll it'll make the hair on your neck stand up. It really does. And my bassist, he's so funny. He's he was like super into it. Like we were doing Rosanna, and he was like, dum, but dum, like kind of. Well, you're getting all the you're like, getting all the uh, percussion parts and the everything, like, all the piano and like everything we didn't have. And and um and it's not, you know, the criticism of course is that you're playing along with it's basically instrumental karaoke. And um, but there's. Without us, it wouldn't be the song. Yeah. And without that, it also wouldn't be the song. We've tried Rosanna a bunch of times. It just mm-hmm. never came together. But like one time along with the track and it was beautiful. Yeah. And stage ready. Yep. Almost. Almost stage ready. Rosanna has some places where like they weirdly throw in a bar of five and a turnaround. And, the do 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 bow That yeah, one. Yeah. 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 And, and there's one of those. Um, kind of at the end of the solo section that caught me by surprise every single time. So I just got to get my head around that. But um, the point is, boy, if you if you now speaking not to you, Adam, but to you, the listeners, um, if you get a chance to try that with a click and a and a and a, a backing track, it it's cool. It's really cool. And um, you know, event bands like Adams do that all the time. It's mm-hmm. kind of part of the deal with bands like that. Bar bands like us almost never do it, and it's going to put us in a new category. It's going to change yep. a lot for us that we're doing that. So, um, so it's very exciting. It's very cool. I, I would say that in ears are probably just a flat requirement to do it. Um, maybe you could do it with only the drummer having a click, right? So in in the in the olden times, you know, um, that was the way it worked. We had uh, when I was doing doing original music that way. The drummer had either a laptop or an iPod, and he was the only one who got the click. So he was the one right. that was counting it off. The, right. the benefit of having everybody on in ears is that you don't have to count anything off because they can hear everything. Yeah. Now you guys were using some of the tracks that I had sent you. Is that? Uh, I don't think we actually did with any of the ones you sent, although they're good. Um, the ones that I was. I'm not using, going to take that personally. No, no. It's just we were just working on other songs. I asked Adam for a bunch of his tracks, and he sent them to me because he's. You know, I'm a mensch. Totally. Um, But we just happened not to work those that night. Um, We were working on tracks that I just pulled down from Karaoke Version. Now, let me just shout out KaraokeVersion.com. Yeah, they're kind of the the way the reason why this whole thing works. Holy cats! If they went away, we'd be so boned. Um, Part of what's brilliant about them is you can buy their you can buy a custom mix. Of it, mm-hmm. and you get this interface that lets you turn on and off every track and, and pan them left and right and transpose um, them, transpose them, change their tempo. Um, you can have the click track have an extra lead in, an extra bar lead in. Um, and so you can end up with uh, just the left ear and the track in the right ear of just the tracks you want. And then once you buy that, you can go back and make different versions of it for free forever. And, um, yeah, three bucks for a track. It's, uh, it's just killer. Yeah. So, um, so I went today while I was supposed to be working. I hope my <laughs> boss doesn't listen to this. And, uh, I pulled down September and 
couple others that we've tried but never really gotten to come together because mm-hmm. the track the, what why they don't come together is because you're missing that crucial horn piece yep. you're missing that crucial synth line or whatever um, or those crucial harmonies that that you know takes a bigger choir and bigger voices than you have or whatever yeah um, adding those in just boy oh boy makes all the difference it's really incredible agreed. As long as so, you, the only thing you have to be careful about with karaoke version is um, the origin of those uh, backing tracks become very apparent if you're using any of the vocals. I, I'm unfortunately don't I don't use many of them, um, mostly because uh, the people who are singing them are singing English as a second language. Yeah, um, they all yeah. kind of sound. Um, Eastern European in origin would be yeah. the way that I would describe them. Well, and I'll say this too. I mean, every single thing on that site is a cover. Yes. They're the most precise covers you've ever heard in your life. Well, some of them Incredible. are. You, you, but, well, <laughs> there's some that, yeah, don't hold together. But. Yeah, there are some that are very clearly MIDI tracks that they put no effort into. Um, yeah. And the, the thing I do like about that, though, is that they do have, um, you can rate them, you can provide feedback. Um, mm-hmm. I have definitely bought stuff where I was like, this is not acceptable, and they refunded my money. Um, and they've also, on no, a number of occasions, given me an email that said, hey, um, we fixed this. We did something different. We added something that we think Great. is... So um, the other thing that you can do is if there's a song that you don't... Um, you don't see, you can request it, and it yes. puts it on the list. Um, I found out this past week that they have finally added She Blinded Me with Science by Thomas Dolby, and wow. that's been on the waiting list for a long time, so I'm oh, really excited about adding that. No way you could do that tune without tracks. Nope. Not a chance. God, no. I love that song. I've wanted to cover that forever. Okay, I'm all excited now. Okay. Well, let's. <laughs> I have to stop recording and go get that. Yeah. No. But... Right after this. Yeah. So um, was there any other fun realizations that you've, you've had this week? Yeah. Yeah, a couple things. Okay. I'm, I'm just looking back at our text uh, yeah. history here at what I told you. I have so many things. Um, this is the opposite of that episode where I was Debbie Downer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everything, everything's coming up, everything's coming up, coming Dan. Up. I'm, it's all exciting and fantastic, yeah. Um, so... Um, just as a note, I know I've, I've talked a lot about the Behringer XR16 mm-hmm. that we've used, and I have loved it, and it's been great. And partially prompted by um, our, I want to say colleagues or peers, but neither is accurate. They're vastly more mature than us. Um, the fellows over at the Gig Gab podcast, which yep. if by some bizarre twist of something you are listening to this one and not that one, remedy that promptly. Yes. Um, they are the great granddaddies of musician, you know, working musician podcasts. Yeah, part of the um, reason why we are doing what we are doing is because they kind of set the template. Yep. Yep. Anyhow, over on that, uh, Dave was talking about the Soundcraft UI24R yeah. mixer and um, how he saw the, <clears throat> I guess he saw it at CES or something and was raving about it. And when I was first shopping for my rig, uh, my sales technician at Sweetwater tried to talk me into one, and I said, "Well, thousand bucks, I don't know. Let me just go with the two ninety nine Behringer. I'm sure it'll get me through." And it has, and it's been great. Well, 
Dave was talking about that thing, and I went and looked around, and I, by gum, found one on a Reverb that was a factory Reverb. Um, I like Reverbs a lot. Mm-hmm. I really like Reverbs for pretty much any kind of electronics. Um, comes with a warranty like new, and somebody's actually looked at it, which is better than you can say that a brand new one that just rolled off the lot. Um, for 560 bucks. Nice. So I snapped that mother up. It's sitting here on my floor right now. It Ooh. hasn't been plugged into anything. I have um, connected to it. A couple things I'm excited about with it. Um, the first is that it has 5G wireless. Mm-hmm. And the Behringer, pretty much, you've got to have an external router. There's The internal wireless is so hopeless. Correct. Um, the word on the street about this one is that it might be hopeless or it might not. So I'm going to carry my my spare router with me and check it out. And it could be that on 5G it's actually good enough, um, which would be neat. I'd love to not have to set that part up every show. Um, the other thing that is super cool about this unit is that it records multitrack to a USB stick. Mm-hmm. So um, I... Have I've made a lot of videos of the band playing, but to get good video, I found that I have to put the camera in a place where it's not well positioned for audio. Correct. And I put it way up on a mic stand or something, way up on a tripod, up in the air, so I can look down and see my drummer in the back and see the whole stage. But then it's up in tweeter zone, down in sort of good mix zone. And so I, I have a lot of video where the video is a lot of fun, but the audio is disappointing. So I'm very excited to take a lot of show audio on this thing and match it up with great video and actually turn it into something. Speaking of things that are going to take you to the next level, um, yeah. having multi-track audio and being able to mix it and all that stuff will definitely Huge. be a game changer for you. Um, now, I, I'm hopefully not talking completely out of my rear, but the Soundcraft is is all web interface as far as like adjusting it. Is that correct? That's right. It does not have apps. It actually serves a web page. Okay. And it's an HTML5 interface that is, as far as I can tell, and I've spent some time both with the demo online that's not connected to a router and mm-hmm. just this evening since it got here, talking to it, actually, the physical box. It's every bit as good as the app um, that Behringer has. And um, part of what's cool about it, I, you know, it came with the 2.0 firmware, with well, the 3.0 firmware came out in sync with NAM. So... This this unit didn't have it, so I upgraded to that, and you know, lo and behold, the UI updated too. Nice. So there's no new app to get. There's no there's nothing to keep in sync between the firmware on the box and the the app on your your tablet. It's just yeah. it just all does itself. Yeah. So um so that's really nice. It's also got you know it's got twenty twenty ins, not counting the. In, inside the 24, they're counting two channels of USB in and two channels of aux in on RCA jacks. Yeah. Not counting those. It's got 20 ports of which 10 are XLR and 10 are combo. Nice. And um, so that's plenty for us with lots of room to grow. And uh, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm very, I'm very excited to dig into it. it the, the, um, the other thing about it is all 20 of those jacks have really excellent preamps. Um, the Behringer has a little bit of a noise floor. Yep. Uh, and the word is that this guy is just dead silent. Good. So that's exciting. I'll, I'll give a I'll give a report once I've had some sound coming through it. Right now, it's just sat on my floor talking Fantastic. about Wi-Fi. Yeah. So um, I'm still uh, waiting. <laughs> the my my 
hookup at uh, Orange had to go to Nam this week, so mm. he was gone. So I'm still trying to get my hands on the Pedal Baby 100. Um, but that's perfectly fine because midway through the week, he posted a picture of him um, literally arm's length away from Stevie Wonder while huh. he was telling Stevie Wonder how to use the amp that he helped design. Cool. Um, probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. That is uh, cool. I have yet to catch up with him, so I'm really stoked to hear about that. But um, Pedal Baby 100 review is imminent. Um, speaking of Nam, well, what else did you see? Was there anything there that you really were stoked yes. on? Or I saw the second coolest thing after your guy being an arm's length from Stevie Wonder. Yep. Um, I'm not clear how the Line 6 connection with this was, but Line 6 had people there and were doing videos in front of this Ampeg base amp that was literally 11 feet tall. 11 feet tall. You saw this too? Oh, of course. All right. So you saw the video with Derek Smalls? Of course. It was incredible. If you didn't see it, you got to. Derek Smalls, the bassist from Spinal Tap. Played by the... No, no, no. It's Derek Smalls. Shush. I'm a believer. He just sounds a lot like Otto, the bus driver from The Simpsons. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) That's true. and, And several other Simpsons characters. That is true. But uh, no, no. Um, David Saint Hubbins is real, and um, and 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 is not uh, Song Goodman's jerk brother. A- anyway, um, they did live Big Bottom, the Spinal Tap song, yes. in front of like a crowd of a uh, hundred or so people in in a, in a hallway. I think it. Looked yeah, it's like. at the Marriott. Yeah, um, in front of this custom Ampeg cabinet that was, God, what was it like ten by twelve or something? It was. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it stood 11 feet tall, like a, you know, and, and, and they had the original Stonehenge, the 12 inch tall Stonehenge from the movie. Um, it had nothing to do with real gear, but I loved it very much. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I didn't, I, I found this year's NAM to be, um, this is the first NAM when I've been a Helix owner. Mm-hmm. First winter NAM anyway, when I've been a Helix owner and uh and I just wasn't that interested. It wasn't it wasn't it didn't have my attention the way it did in past years. So there were a couple of things that stood out to me that I was like, Oh, I'd be interested in that. Um so thinking about downgrading not downgrading, downsizing, not downgrading, mm-hmm. um, the HX to the HX stomp. Um right. thinking about like always on pedals that you wouldn't necessarily want to waste a block on. Um, yep. JHS released a mini format compressor that they call the tidy whitey, mm. uh, which <laughs> definitely has a l- little pair of underoos, uh, as the logo on the unit. That's awesome. Um, and I did say unit, uh, that's, that was interesting to me. The G 10 S that line six released the wireless pedal, um, definitely looks oh, promising. Yeah. Yes. Listen, I had a G 10 that I gigged for a while mm-hmm. until it's, uh, powered plug dikes it took power over a mini usb port yes five volt was the dumbest thing and so i had to have a special adapter for that on my board it was really just a pain and and then it died um so really glad to see them bring out a hardened sort of gig ready receiver for that it's really great yeah i mean my my old i i had a pre-relay nine six line six wireless Mm. the x like one of the xs 75s um ancient like from like 2006 that finally Mm. just it, it it hasn't even died. It just isn't as consistent, reliable as it has been. So I haven't been using it. Um, the rest of it was just guitars, like yeah. so many guitars. Yeah, yeah. The the one big name brand that I was really impressed by um, was Epiphone, actually. Huh. 
um, you should look at their offerings. One of the things that I'm I'm particularly interested in is um, for those of you who uh, know the band Hailstorm, uh, Lizzie Hale, who's their lead vocalist and one of their guitar players, has a really gnarly custom Gibson Explorer that they are now doing an Epiphone version of. It is a white Explorer triple, you know, black white black binding with mm. gold hardware. Wow, it's a snazzy looking get fiddle um and then also they came back pretty hard with the kramer edition including they're reissuing the uh richie sambora signature kramer which is that like triple pickup super strap yeah. with stars all over it right, right um there there were a lot of 80s throwbacks that you know really spoke to me because again as a helix owner i don't care about effects and i don't care about amps so it's all <laughs> about guitars right now right, um right. and i i on top of that, also, I, I, I sat through an interview with the new CEO of Gibson, um, and it, it definitely kind of, part of me is like, man, this guy's, you know, corporate jargon is a bit <laughs> much. But on the same note, like, Listen, he... never never mocks energy lemon. He was, he was saying the right things, and he was saying them the right way, um, and it, it definitely was like, oh, Gibson might be okay. <laughs> Here's hoping. They, they have needed a business person. Yeah, well, and they well they needed a branding person really more than anything, and he came from Levi. Um, okay, so he he's kind of he understands the whole um, legacy brand as a lifestyle kind of situation. Yeah, um, but he was saying all the right things. You know, there was a lot of fear about them taking production out of the states and. Um, you know, what they were going to do as far as, you know, new models and stuff. Like, they completely went back to basics with, like, a 50s era and a 60s era um, Les Paul. Um, all of the product line is kind of in line with what it should be. They're not trying to do, like, a 2019 Les Paul standard and a 2018 Les Paul standard. It's just Les Paul standard um, yeah. or Les Paul classic. They, they, they simplified the whole product line and... Right. Um, yeah, it just looks like they're going to actually like use the portfolio that they have as opposed to just kind of letting it stray. Um, part of the reason that I was excited because uh, Gibson owns Steinberger, and Steinberger <laughs> was out in force this year at NAMM, uh, really? which they haven't been in a very, very long time. Yeah, so I didn't that know is promising. Existed. Yeah, that, That's great. So anyway, um, lots of pretty guitars, lots of interesting gear, lots of yeah. fun stuff. Um a guy who I've known for a long time, um, who's a metal fabricator, was at Nam. Met a bunch of cool people. Was probably going to do a bunch of like rock stars, mic stands, and actually got to play a gig at the Whiskey a Go Go uh, with his his uh, Van Halen tribute. So yeah, you know, it was a pretty magical year for a lot of people. So that's good. Cool beans. That's good. You got anything else? Right, I got, yeah, I got one more thing. As if this hasn't been enough. Um. So you know I've been doing this um, live music, acoustic, trivia, name that tune thing. Yes. And um, I've been doing it at a brew pub in town that, let's see, just a short version of their history. Um, They opened in a part of downtown Greensboro that had been sort of decrepit and abandoned. And their being there opened that part of town up in a way that nobody really saw coming. Um, 
they were super popular this 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 place and it was like stop over there for a beer on your way out of downtown it was so easy to just drop in and they were great and their beer was good and the space was great and um and it was right downtown it was walking distance from anything you'd want to do in downtown greensboro nice and um yeah and they really kicked butt they really were doing great for a long time and then um in their third year their sweetheart deal lease with their landlord ended and they couldn't afford the renewal. So, you know, to, to move into this decrepit, <laughs> decrepit old space that they cleaned up, um, they signed a, 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 um, a multi-year lease for cheap and it was all great. And then when renewal time came, that property had really appreciated in value and they couldn't renew. So they moved to a place that's about, six or seven miles north of downtown, totally not walkable in an area that is cute little shops, but basically nothing going on at night. Some restaurants, but not a bar scene area, not a place you'd bar hop. Um, and as a result, at least their weekday nights have been tragic, Mm -hmm. tragic. And their weekends have been only okay. Um, they are, I believe, surviving on their um, canning and distribution business. So the tap room may not be as an important um, a part of their mix as it used to be, but because um, they have a very large brewery space in the back, uh, but the tap room is much smaller than the the place downtown used to be. And when you walk in, most of the time, it's kind of you kind of hear crickets, um, except when. Name that tune live music trivia is happening. Ah. Pack that joint. And um, our last time was 90s and we every table in the place was filled with players. And then our next one next week is 80s. And right now the Facebook event has I think 60 people interested or going, um, which is about where we were last week. So it's looking like next one will be just as good. Um, this has been really, really popular. And the night that I did, the one time I did just a solo acoustic show there that wasn't the trivia was also really well attended and people stuck around and it was really great. But that has not been the dominant story of their acoustic business there. Um, the tap room's no good for bands. It's really, it's, it's a solo acoustic kind of venue. There is a stage in the brewery area that they can kind of rope off the business part of that. And in fact, how I got in with the guy who booked there was he booked um, the Clanky Lincolns for the fourth anniversary party um, of the of the brewery, and we mm-hmm. played back in there, and it was fine. Um, but since then, it's been for my participation with them has been all acoustic, and um, and my nights have been strong, except for the one night there was twelve inches being called for that night of snow. Um, <laughs> nobody came out because it's North Carolina. Uh, so. The guy who used to book there, who's not working there anymore, he went back to school and he's not working there anymore, but he was booking people who were his friends and were – he was kind of using the night as a favor to musicians who wanted to play. Mm -hmm. And when you'd walk in, there'd be like a guy over in the corner with an amp sort of mumbling and no house music. And by the time you were – Halfway down the bar from him, you just you didn't hear any music happening at all, um, and it was often like originals, and um, it was it was so the booker was trying to be like a patron of the arts, yeah, and he wasn't looking from what his employer needed to have happen there. So 
he's now gone. There's a new girl in who's new to bartending and never managed a music program before, but is young and enthusiastic and very excited about it. And I said to her, look, I got a lot of contacts. We can just, you know, we'll work together, whatever. Um, and I started reaching out to people who I know understand that you are a beer salesman in that circumstance. You're not, yeah. you know, you're not performing at the Met. You're, <laughs> your, your job is to keep people in their seats and keep them drinking and keep them entertained while they stick around longer than they would if you weren't there. Yeah, you're an alcohol retention device. Essentially, yeah, you, you, are, you are the funnel in everyone's mouths. Not sure I like that metaphor. But we're sticking with it. Um, <laughs> so, um, so I offered to to help with that, and um, and then I thought, you know, um, she. I happen to know that the owner of the place, who I've only ever sort of waved at in passing, um, doesn't have a lot of support or faith in music as a tool for his bar to thrive. And it, you know, part of it is because what's been being booked is these things that nobody would come out for and nobody sticks around for. But um, you know, if we could build that up, if we could turn that into something and build an audience for it, that that'd be some that'd be something, right? So um, I, I somehow managed to get a meeting with the lead bartender and the new excited girl and the owner of the place and me on Sunday afternoon um, to talk about what I what you know she and I sort of imagine the place could do and be. And um, so it's got me thinking, what if I added like a side hustle to my side hustle (laughs) to consult with bars and beer, you know, breweries and things like that on having their music program really feed their business. Cause you know, in my, in my other life that I do 40 ish hours a day, I'm essentially a business consultant and product person and I have a lot of skills in that area, frankly. And um, so I don't quite know how I'd monetize it, but I'm looking at what would it be like to be someone who helps people. I don't know if I'd manage booking. That's actually, I did that for another brewery and it was just, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, But if I could help connect people and somehow turn that into some kind of, um, way to support artists who I know get what we're doing there and support venues that need, you know, butts in their seats. Um, that seems like that has value and I don't quite know how to turn that into something that has, you know, a payday attached to it, but, but I'm interested. So that's kind of, there's a thing I'm kind of looking at. Yeah. I mean, that is a total you move though, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that, but I like it. I just need a side hustle on my side hustle too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What did I say on the on the? On the <laughs> some say I'm overcommitted. To them, I say yes, dear. Yeah, no, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I think I think there's there is value value to that. It's just a matter of figuring out whether you um you can you can deliver the goods on a on a situation like that because um. You know, we have been completely uh, exposed to the fact that, you know, uh, a knockdown, you know, 100% surefire thing in one place uh, <laughs> isn't going to cut it somewhere else. So, well, I mean, that's part of it. You have to, you, I think you have to measure those results sort of 
in aggregate. Yeah. One, one night doesn't tell you anything. Correct. Um, so you kind of have to look at it a little more from a sort of a broader statistical sort of perspective. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. I have experience with that too. Yeah. I did a spreadsheet that ran a Monte Carlo simulation this week. So, well, whatever that means. I know, right? <laughs> to to our listener, who knows what that means? Ha ha! You and me. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I you know I I think you know that definitely has value, um, and I think that it you know you definitely now have a track record of like hey here's stuff that works. So um, yeah. if you can do it, do it. You know, there's yeah. a bit of a like a in in our area. I there's like an acoustic gig mafia, which is the best way that I can explain it. <laughs> it's wow. like these these the small handful of gatekeepers that you know decide who plays oh, where yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah um, we have some of that too. And I mean, that's fine. You know, it's a uh, it's being a big fish in a small pond, um, and I definitely would not want that job, right? Like at all. Um, because the thing that people don't understand when they complain about bookers not calling them back is just the sheer volume of what a booker deals with day after day after day. You yeah. are one of a thousand. Yeah. And maybe not you're one of a thousand, but like to a single person, you're one of too many. Way too many. Yeah. And, and they are like under a, no feels obligation. Feels like a thousand. I will tell you, it feels like a thousand. Yeah. They're under no obligation to help you. No. That's actually not what they're there for at all. <laughs> in the slightest. They are there to find beer retention devices. Exactly. Funnels. They're yeah. looking for funnels. They're looking for funnels, and you're it. Maybe. Or not. Or somebody else might be. Well, the question is, can you prove to them within 10 seconds that you're it? Yeah. So, good stuff, man. Me, I've got one other thing. Yeah. What time are we at? I don't even know No, no, no. We're, we're good. We're All totally right. good. So, many months ago, I think it was... November. Um, Justin and I were on one of our Saturday afternoon bar crawl slash gig hunting expeditions. <laughs> um, <laughs> it gets sloppier as the day goes on. You know, the deal. Because you can't just, you got to roll up and have a beer. because Otherwise, you're sure some guy looking for a favor or something. Um, so we went into a brewery in town here that um, I first tried to make contact with them. God, it had to be three years ago. And I got the woman's card. Actually, uh, here on my desk, I have both the one that I got that day when Justin and I went in, sitting right next to the one I got three years ago. Same name, same number, <laughs> sitting here on my desk. And um, so I had no hope of running into her. She's just, she's just you know, slippery. Um, but when Justin and I went in, we had a beer in the in the sort of tasting room space and asked, you know, is, is um, she around? I'm not going to say her name here because – like it's like that, but yeah. Um, I said, "Oh yeah, no, she's actually bartending over in the over in the pavilion area." It's like, oh, so we walked over to this pavilion space, which is this very large um, brick area that is really cute. I mean, it's just funky and a nice bar and a um, like a like a shipping container they've turned into like a lounge in the middle of it. It's really it's really cool and. Um, and there was this woman who I'd never met before standing right there pouring beers and we introduced ourselves and had a nice chat with her and gave her some merch and our flyer and everything. And, um, and then I reached out to her end of December, like she said, nothing reached out to her again, sort of early mid January, nothing. Well, 
today I get a phone call from Justin while I'm at work that says, hey, um, the girl from this place called me, call me back. And, and a voicemail, actually he texted me that. And then when I listened to my voicemails, she was on it saying, hey, I'm trying to reach you. I want to book you. I guess I'll just call Justin. He's the next name here, so I'll call him. So they had had a conversation. And it turns out, the upshot is, we have been booked in that place as her exclusive full band. She's only going to do acoustic solo and duo apart from us. And she booked us for the first Saturday of the month, every month between now and August. Sweet. And wants to renew us in August once we kind of see that that all works. But she's going to bring in food trucks and make it a whole big thing. Our first Monday is going to be – or Saturday is going to be a great big deal. Um, It's uh, 8 to 10 – 7 to 10, which is like prime for my crowd to come out to. Yeah. And and it's just this beautiful like (laughs) fall in our laps kind of opportunity that that, – when I look at it, nothing about that fell in our lap. I did the legwork, man. I'm taking credit for it. Um, if I, you know, hadn't, you know, kept the faith, first of all, shown up in there and shown our faces, followed up by phone, who knows? You know, she she came to, in her conversation with Justin, she clearly had looked at our media, looked at our website, seen our demos. Like, she was very excited. She remembered our interaction and how much fun we were and all of that. We really came in and, sort of demonstrated our vibe with her, our brand. And um, so, yeah, so that's very exciting. That'll start uh, April, April, first Saturday in April is the first first of that. So That's playing the long game, man. Right, you got to, you got to, because these bookers, you know, and, and Justin told me that she said, got out, she was booking music, it was like the fire hose opened and she was just crushed by it. Um, but we were the only ones who went in and met her face-to-face and gave her, a, a button and a fridge magnet, and she said, "I, rem- I remember all your tchotchkes, and uh, and I want to do this." So, there you go. Yeah, good. Yeah, it all works. So I've got one last thing to add, and I'm totally going to break our. This is a family show. Um, <laughs> good protocol. Somebody needs to. Well, um, I uh, I had found. Remember, I had said a couple of weeks ago, I was like, "Oh, I found a bunch of Audible credits," and um, yeah. Played, got Ready Player One, and I cranked through that, and it was really fun. Uh, it was a nice little break. Um, but I started one. I literally started it yesterday. I'm, I'm maybe – I've got like an hour left. I'll probably have to listen to it a couple of times. Um, this book is called Unfuck Yourself. <laughs> Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life by a guy named Gary John Bishop. Um, it is a nice. fantastic read or listen. Um, it's maybe three and a half, four hours long total. Uh. So it's pretty, it's a pretty quick read, um, or, or just to get through. Um, I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's definitely hit me in a couple of spots where I'm like, man, I really got to do something about that. So, mm. um, you know, just talking about, uh, what we're willing to accept and what we're unwilling to accept and, um, you know, how we can, uh, do we can act in opposition to our thoughts? Um, you know, all of those things where we were like kind of feeling cruddy about ourselves. And, you know, this book is kind of just an illustration of like, yeah, you can feel that way, but you can still do the opposite. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's self-help in a way, but it's, it's told by Gary John Bishop is a Scottish dude, um, who is definitely one of us. Um, (laughs) And hearing him read the book is actually really, really fun because uh, cool. he's just this little Scottish dude just telling you, you know, saying, telling it like it is. That's awesome. So highly recommend it. Go look it up. I won't repeat the name. 
but you get it. Unf yourself. Yeah, unfudge yourself. Unelf yourself. Anywho. Well, hey man, we covered a lot of ground today, didn't we? Listen, I had a, I had came in with some stuff, and I've unloaded. So, well, this is officially going to be the Danisode. (laughs) May as well. All right. Well, if that's uh, if that's all we got, I'll go ahead and call it for this week. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. And here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, Episode Thirty Nine. Have a great week. <laughs>